Hey friends, and thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table, where we bridge dentistry with business, culture, and current events. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson, and if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Occlusal Table Pod, and be sure to share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. So for our Match Day series, we'll be taking a deeper look into pediatric dental residencies and how to match into your top program. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. I'm Andrea Goodman. I am going into pediatric dentistry. I am a dental student who graduated from or will graduate from Meharry Medical College, and I'll be attending the University of California, Los Angeles for pediatric dental residency. And I enjoy traveling. I hope y'all do, too. It's a great way to decompress. I'm Dominique Oliver. I'm also a fourth year graduating dental student, um, and I'll be going into pediatric dentistry at Yale New Haven Hospital. So, and then what I like to do is, you know, just hang out with my friends, basically. Whatever they want to do, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, thank you guys for being on the show. You know, of course, for the best specialty in the world, you know. Um, so then what was your dental journey like? Um, did you guys have any gap years? Um, what, what, what was made you interested in dentistry? What even made you interested in pediatric dentistry? Um, can you share your story with our audience? So um, I'll go ahead and mention that. So I pretty much always wanted to be a dentist. I don't really recall when I did not want to do uh, dentistry. I always loved going to the dentist. It was just you know, the best part of my year was to go to the dentist. I was scheduling my own dental appointments at like 12. Um, I really loved it. Um, so I just stuck with it. And through high school, I did um, an externship in high school. It was through a program we had. So I was able to drive myself to an office three days a week my senior year um, for our last like hour of school. Um, still enjoyed it. Went through college, um, did some some shadowing, still loved it. Um, I played basketball in college, so I wasn't able to focus as hard on the DAT and recommendation letters and all of that. So I did take a gap year and got myself together and um, took my DAT. I took it twice. So I took my DAT and the second time it was um, well enough to go ahead and apply. And um, that was after working. And then after I applied, I worked for a year as a dental assistant. And I think that really helped my um, dental career in school because it kind of sets you apart, you know, x-rays and dealing with patients. You've already done it for an entire year. So it was kind of easy to go into that um, third and fourth year into the clinics. Um, My journey was unconventional for sure. (laughs) Um, I went into dental assisting um, after high school as a means of survival. Like I wanted to be able to pay to go to college and I did have an interest in dentistry. I became a registered dental assistant in California. Um, while I was going to college. I wanted to be a dental hygienist originally, believe that, believe it or not. And my journey took a lot of twists and turns because I had children. At one time I was going to get married. I had to relocate several times. So it was different. Um, I got accepted to a dental hygiene program that I couldn't move to. And I was working as an office manager um, 
at a chiropractic office at this time. So I was a registered dental assistant in California. I moved to Arkansas to get some help with my children. And I was working at a chiropractic office and I was kind of at this crossroad of, am I going to leave or what am I going to do? And um, the doctor I worked for, she said, you know, you need to go to school to be the boss. You need to you have certain capabilities. I watch you work and you should try to be a dentist. Whatever you want to go into, you need to try to be at the top of your field. So I readjusted. I went on scholarship to a university. Um, I took the DAT. It wasn't that great. I went into a master's program and I did that. I retook the DAT, got the score. I had to take off another year and I went into, I did um, substitute teaching And that's where my kind of pediatric realm, if you will, began. And I really, as I went into dental school, I knew I wanted to work with um, patients with special needs because I have a daughter with special needs. And it just molded into this thing. When I finally got to the pediatric dentistry class, I knew that was my specialty. So here I am. Yeah, so definitely sounds like you guys had a lot of different interests that you dabbled in at first or gaining different experiences in different ways so that you could finally come together and be like, you know what, this is the road for me to choose pediatric dentistry to specialize in. So then with um, choosing the schools that you guys wanted to apply to for your programs, did you want more hospital-based? Did you want more academic-based, more combined? Um, Did you apply to all types of programs? Was location a big thing for you? Um, Stipend, uh, tuition, you know, what's something that was important to you when choosing the schools to apply to? I would, excuse me, I would probably say um, first it was, for me, location, I actually really wanted to go home to Dallas. Um, So, or even just Texas in general. So location was really big. Um, Then stipend, we've already taken on a lot of loans and I knew I did not want to take on any more loans. So stipend or stipend and no tuition or low, very low tuition that I could probably adjust and pay out of pocket and while working or something, just something that I, I didn't want to take out any more loans. So I knew that um, and then I absolutely wanted a um, combined program. I definitely went a different route <laughs> once I started interviewing at the different uh, places and just meeting all the directors and also um, potential co-residents. Um, so I ended up going to uh, selecting first a hospital program, actually the only hospital program that I applied to because originally I wanted a combined program. But um, I just went in with an open mind. So I think that's good that's a good thing to do whether you're applying to dental school residency or whatever you always going with the open mind I knew I didn't want to do hospital dentistry but I was like you know what on paper this this institution looks really great and I just still stepped out on faith and I think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now so yeah and I'm right with uh, Dr. Oliver on that uh, location was very important that was my number one priority already because of my um, contemporary family. Um, My mom's with me, helping me, and I have uh, two children. So that was really important. And then secondly, stipend. I have a family. I need to be somewhere I um, like to live, but I can also somewhat afford because like Dr. Oliver said, we took out a lot of loans. And then what's funny, when I was going on my interviews, I didn't really know what I wanted. I thought I wanted a combined program, but after on the 
So I applied to combined programs, but I still applied to, I think, one college-based program and some hospital programs. Um, And what I learned is that I like the combined program. I found that out on the interview because you always have your idea of what you want and what you think you want. So I think I definitely agree with Dr. Oliver. Have an open mind because you're learning on those interviews different things in pediatric dentistry. So I know I wanted to learn IV sedation. At college institutions, you may not get a lot of exposure to that. So it's the things you want to do when you go out and practice to kind of hone in on programs that center around those skills, if that makes sense. So that's how I chose my program. Yeah, and you brought up um, a good point too, Drea, uh, with you know, while you're on those interviews, you kind of learn what you like and don't like or things that you think are priorities to learn in the specialty versus things that are probably moved down to the list, you know? So that's definitely something that you do want to have, um, definitely keeping an open mind when going into these interviews and looking at the different programs before stepping in to uh, rankings and the match list and everything like that. So how many co-residents um, do you guys have or will have? So for me, there's six total of us in each class. Um, so, I, so I'll have five co-residents. Um, same. It's six of us total. Nice. So it's like Actually, I nice- take that back. It's seven. It's seven. <laughs> a, a gentleman was added at the, like here recently. So it's seven of us. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like a nice size group. So it's not like just you and one other person. So you can bounce ideas off of and things like that. That definitely works. So um, moving forward to the application, then what was your CV like? Um, What was something that you think programs prioritize more over the other, like leadership, community service, research, at least from the programs that you've talked with um, or any tips that you have for preparing your CV? Yeah. with your CV, like I tell everyone, start early because there's so many things you've done in dental school and you want to design it in a, a way that it highlights um, activities and things you participated in. So start early. Also collaborate because, you know, in dental school, you're with in the same class for four years straight. A lot of times you have been on the same activities or projects as your cohort and they can remind you, well, remember when we did this? Remember when we did that? So that really helps. Additionally, especially for pediatric dentistry, one thing I did that I feel like is really good when you're highlighting your community service is to separate your pediatric from your like regular community service so they can see all these things and see your commitment to the specialty. So I would say that get organized, start early, collaborate and highlight um, things that you really want to stand out and don't shy away. Like I put substitute teaching on that. That's commitment to the specialty. So all those little cool things about yourself, make sure you highlight them and stand out. Well, I really don't have much to add to what Dr. Goodman said. Just to emphasize, start early. Um, Don't forget to include things that have nothing to do with dentistry and things that you're just passionate about. Um, Like I fell in love with pottery in college. I found a pottery class out here and I took it and I added that. That's something that I love to do outside of dentistry. It has nothing to do with dentistry. Um, maybe uh, manual dexterity, but um, it was something that I'm passionate about and it's something that I put on my CV. I think it's um, very important to me. And I, it was something that I wanted to um, include on my CV. Um, so other than that, 
pretty much pretty much what Dr. Goodman said. It was that was perfect. And it shows how well-rounded you guys are, right? You know, not just school, 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 school. I mean, we have to be good students too, but we also have to have a life outside of the office. Um, but uh, for your personal statement, um, that also shows a different side of you. Uh, what was your story? Um, what tips do you have for personal statements um, when it comes to building that and kind of tweaking it to where, you know, it'll really stick out uh, going through the application process? Um, I would definitely say just be honest. Um, it was not my, I didn't come into dental school thinking that I wanted to specialize. I just knew general dentistry. I really didn't know anything outside of that. Um, cause I never, I didn't realize that I had a poor experience at a pediatric dentist um, when I was really young until I came to dental school and I walked into our pediatric dental clinic and it was, it just gave me that same feeling. And I was like, why do I feel weird like this? And I thought about it. I just had an experience where it was kind of, you know, it was unfortunate experience. It wasn't like, you know, they tried to kill me or anything, but I just didn't feel like I was important or anything like that. And as a child, like that sticks with you. Um, so that's why I knew I was like, well, I know that I would not be like that towards children. Um, I actually love children. I was a um, Sunday school teacher in college. And also we did a lot of community service uh, with my team, just helping kids, you know, having girls learning to play basketball and all of that. So um, teaching children was actually like the one thing I was like, you know what, this, this is a specialty where you get to teach, you get to help, you get to teach not only the children and guardians that are with them. And, you know, you get to change the trajectory of a family's life um, when you help them, especially with their first child, you'll see a huge difference in the way their oral health, the second child's oral health is. And that's like a huge win for us. So I just felt like that was my, you know, purpose. And that's where I felt like I was the most needed and I can make the biggest difference. Um, So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome. And, you know, with your personal statement, I like that Dr. Oliver showed that because you do want to tell a story. You want to show your commitment to the specialty, but also tell a story and what's unique about you and your journey and how you got there. Um, and don't, for me, I didn't shy away from my shortcomings. I had some shortcomings um, in my college career just because of so many personal issues. And I didn't harp on that too long, but I highlighted like, it was a time I didn't know I was going to go to dental school. It was a time I didn't know I would fulfill my career, but how I became stronger for that and became um, more committed to Christ and just built myself up around that and just tie that in. So I'm saying don't shy away from your shortcomings because it shows that you're human, you know? Um, also with your personal statement, have others read it. Make sure that and multiple people, not just your friends, uh, attendings, people to look it over so that you make sure it's conveying, not only that it's grammatically correct, but that it's conveying the message you wanted to convey, because that's important. Because even if they don't cho choose you um, for an interview, you're still giving the message of who you truly are and why you're here. So those are my tips. And I'm sorry, I wanted to add one more thing. So for me, I sometimes I can be kind of scatterbrained on when I'm writing. Just make sure your uh, personal statement is in chronological order. Um, so at first I wrote like my story about basketball and then I went to when I was a child and then I went to like dental school, like kind of try to put it like a story, like exactly how your life 
transpired. So just making sure, you know, you have it in a chronological order so that people, you can walk people through your life and not have them just skipping and jumping around. All right. And then now with moving forward, so you have your list of schools, you have your CV, you have your personal statement. So then how did you go about asking for letters of recommendation? Did you get them all from faculty? Did you get them from people who you shadowed from, mentors? Who did you get your letters from? I will say um, with letter of recommendations, first of all, look at the programs you want to apply to because different letter of letters of recommendations are required for different programs. Mind you, when you go to ask for them, you can ask the people who qualify. Because for one of the programs, I had to ask someone who was like not an attending. It was someone outside of school I had to get a letter of recommendation from. So I would say be strategic in that and make sure you meet the criteria of the programs you're applying to first off. Second off, um, if you're going into a specialty, I would say this to my D1s, my D2s, even my D3s, be familiar with your department head. Make sure they know who you are because nine times out of 10, that department head is going to have to write a recommendation letter at some program. It may not be required for every program, but they're gonna, you're going to need that. So you want to be familiar in a genuine way. Don't just go jazz hands in out the blue, you know, be familiar. Um, and with your letter of recommendation, be professional and timely. Don't ask somebody for a letter of recommendation on Monday that you need that Friday. That's not professional and it's not courteous to others because you wouldn't want someone doing that to you. So I would say a two to three week window is a professional gap. And um, Dr. Oliver can chime in on that. Uh, also, what's the last thing? Oh, when you request it, send over your CV and personal statements. That's why I said start those early so you can have those done. So when you send those over, um, to the people you're asking for letters of recommendation, they're familiar with the things you've done, even though they are they may be familiar with your work, work ethic and your personality, but they can have true criteria to highlight. And then, um, yeah, so I asked from the department head, a pediatric dentist, a clinical pediatric dentist here at the school, my team leader, who is a clinical um dentist because they they will say clinical and then I ask um from a pediatric dentist that shadow. I definitely agree with um whatever Dr. Goodman said, I mean like verbatim. It's basically the same thing. So um I definitely had my clinic um leader because I think it's really good that they're able to express how you are as a clinical doctor. Um, I think that's really important. I personally think that they should always be on your list. And then also, of course, your um, department head. Now, I personally what did not have as close of a relationship with the department head. But she, however, she knew me. She knew my face, knew my name. And she knew that I was, you know, a good student. She, It's not like, you know, our attendings, they all meet together and they all talk about each one of us. We go to a school that's pretty small. It's about 60 something of us. Um, we've had a few people add in, so it started off 62, the strong 62, but, um, we're all still there we're all still here together. But, um, I also had a first year, um, professor. So our anatomy teacher, which so we were like, why would you do that? I actually had a really close relationship with her. So it was important to me to find people that I had a good relationship with that really knew me. Like if I saw them in the grocery store, we'd stop and talk, um, so them and then um, a couple of really everybody else just I just had a relationship with. So um, a public health, our public health department 
um, leader, and then also our um, student affairs dean. So that was, I felt like those were strong people that could really write a personal um, message for me. And, um, and I think that was the most important thing for me. It, it doesn't have to be like my, it was my anatomy teacher. It doesn't have to have anything to do with dentistry. They know who, they want to know who you are. And I know that um, she was able to convey that message for me. So I think that was really important. Um, and then, yes, like, like Dr. Goodman said, um, asking in a professional amount of time and then also write a handwritten thank you letter. And I think a professional turnaround time for that is about a week. So you get notified when they submit those letters for you. Just go ahead and have have the you know cards at the house. You see they submitted the letter, write it and turn it into them the next day. That goes a long way. You, you never want to burn bridges. You never want to just get what you need from somebody and, and show them to the side. So they, they have to take their time out for that. They're actually very long. There's a lot of questions they have to answer. So if they take the time to do that for you and 10 or 12 of your other classmates, that's a big deal. Yeah, those uh, letters of rec are no joke to fill out, I've heard. <laughs> Definitely takes a lot of time. Um, and it means a lot uh, when you do give those thank yous um, to them, um, for sure. So then what about externships? Did you guys go on any in-person? Did you guys do virtual? Um, what about like your shadowing experiences? Can you talk about that too? I can um, I can kind of start that off. Um, so. Our shadowing and externship experiences got shut down before we could even really think about anything. Um, so I had actually, so January, 2020, I was scheduled to go visit an office where I went to college. It's about four hours from here. I was going to go down there. She was building a new office as well. All these great plans. And then, you know, COVID hit. So we're like, okay, I'll push it back. We're going to see what's going on with this. And that just never happened for me. So I had to kind of scramble towards the end to um, find some offices to um, make sure I could get them on my CV. Um, even though it's like in my head, I already decided that I wanted to be a pediatric dentist because we had a clinic that we were working in at school. Um, so I was able to find different um, about two offices that I just consistently went to. Um, and this was about a year, about a year into the pandemic. So it was not easy to find them. Um, but, you know, I just stayed persistent, just like most of us. We stayed persistent. We found people that were um, able to help us. Um, of course, Meharians, they're always going to have your back. Meharians the best school in the world. So um, and then um, externships. All of my externships were Zoom. Everything was Zoom. Um, they were, it helped me tailor down some, some schools. There, I, I feel like there were some schools that I applied to that if I would have gone on an externship, I probably would not have applied to. So that's the trade-off, you know, that's the shortcoming that came from that. But um, I, I wouldn't try to go overboard with going to in-person ones if you you know, can avoid it. I think maybe one or two and then as many um, Zoom ones if, as you can, because I think a lot of um, schools are going to actually keep that up because it was, it was a very good way to reach as many people as you could. But um, just, you know, places that you would consider your top one or two, maybe try to go in person. And then other than that, just get a vibe for who the people are, people, the uh, first and second year residents over Zoom. I think you can do that. We're, we're two, two, three years into this. I, I can kind of see who that person is even through a screen at this point. So that's what I would suggest for those. 
I agree. I didn't get the opportunity to externship in person, which was fine because like I found out those Zoom externships were very convenient and it was a way to kind of get exposure to the program and open and have questions for the residents. And it also, what I liked, people ask questions that I wasn't thinking about and I had the opportunity to get the answers to those. So externing definitely affected us, but um, shadowing too, I had to wait. I asked a dentist, the um, pediatric dentist, and I had to wait like six months to actually go in and shadow. So, I mean, I would say don't take it for granted. If you can shadow now, you never know when we'll be locked down again. I hope it doesn't happen again, but take advantage of those opportunities and then go to virtual externships because it can save you money because you'll know if you do or don't want to apply to certain programs. So I definitely agree with what Dr. Oliver said. Yeah, those virtual externships definitely uh, helped keep money in our pocket because I th- we went on, I know because I mean, we attended like a lot of the same ones, like what almost somewhere between like 12, 17, almost 20, it felt like, because <laughs> um, there were, we were always sitting on Zooms and it's like, oh, okay, I didn't know this school had this, or I didn't know this school had that, or, you know, thing just like what uh, Dr. Goodman was saying, like, oh, I didn't think to even ask a school that question. So um, it just became something that was on our radar to look for when applying to different schools. So you submitted your application, you guys got interviews, big, 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 big question, what were they like? Did you guys have in-person? Did you guys have virtual? Um, what were some of like the crazy questions that you got? I mean, I know with being in peds, we all get to get some crazy questions. So what were your interviews like? Um, yeah, so I would just tell you this. If you got the interview, you look good on paper. Now they're trying to see your personality and let your personality shine because you got to show up and be you. So they need to see who you are in a professional manner. So I had all virtual interviews, which was really convenient because after the fact, I started tallying up how much that could have cost me. And I'm glad I saved some money. Um, But you are going to be a little nervous. But the biggest thing is prepare. Go to your department, collaborate with your colleagues, come up with questions and practice because you will be surprised how hard it is to answer. Tell me about yourself on the drop of a dime. Like, what do you mean? My hobbies? How's dental school? My kids, what do you, what do you, what am I saying? So it's good to like not have it too rehearsed, but to practice um, speaking in front of people because you don't want to ramble either. Um, be courteous on virtual um, um, interviews. What I notice sometimes is that it's good to be assertive and kind of, you know, speak your piece, but you want to be courteous to others. If you hear someone speaking like, oh, don't go running and talking over people because I can see like attendance kind of cringing when somebody was like bogarting the floor. So you want to be courteous, kind, practice, get your time zones together. You Get your time zones together. You don't want to be that person. Like write them out. Um, I know Dr. Jackson and I sat down and literally wrote it out on paper and did the math because I had, we're not going to talk about out of time zone, incorrect at one point. So it's good to prepare, have you a nice, quiet, clean place, be aware of your background, be aware of noise, things like that. Just be, and, and try out your Zoom. I know Dr. Oliver and I had an interview at an institution. We had to have a certain background on the Zoom call and we, and it wasn't working on some of our devices, but we had to like practice, like, can you see me? Can you see me? If, is this okay? So practice, be prepared, get your time zones right. 
um, be yourself. One of the crazy, crazy questions I had, I had to do like a movie monologue and you'll be surprised what movies you can remember. And I did it. And I also had to get up and dance to my theme song because Peace is a fun specialty. I'm not even going to put it in quotation. It is fun. So they want to see your personality. You're dealing with kids. You're dealing with some of the most colorful personalities there are, and that's children. And they just want to make sure you're a good fit, a fit, excuse me, and that you'll get along with your residents. So those are the tips I have. So for interviews, interviews have always been terrifying for me. I don't think I'm the best interviewee ever. Um, but I, you know, just went in, just prepare, preparing yourself for anything. You're actually, you're going to calm your nerves down a lot when you prepare. So just write as many notes as you can. Um, so one thing that I, and I know uh, Dr. Jackson did, we took personality tests. I actually, we had t- taken them like a while ago. We just kind of revisited them. Um, and that helps with the, what's your biggest strength, what's your biggest weakness messages and stuff like that. So um, I was able to look at those and agree or disagree on those. A lot of them I agreed on. Um, the craziest question I had was actually somebody at school asked what my um, personality type was. And I just happened to have it on my screen. And I was like, that's crazy you asked that because I have it right here. And it's this personality type. And they're like, you know, that I think that just stuck with them. They were like, wow, you know, a lot of people probably didn't have that. Um, so I think that that's just good somewhere to start if you're trying to prepare for an interview or your interview process. Um, I had one in-person interview um, and it was actually really fun. I actually really enjoyed it. So it's pretty much like a two-day thing. Most most uh, interviews are a two-day thing. So the evening you will probably meet with the co-residents and um, the any faculty that can be there. So mine, it happened to be at the program director's house. They just cater food and we just mix and mingle with everybody. Um, and, but the one thing that I wasn't prepared for is there was actually an attending there that could not be there the next day. And I took, I had to do an interview that night. Like we went to the basement and we did an interview that night and I'm like, in like, you know, it was very relaxed. I was in like a a semi-formal kind of shirt, um, some, some dress pants. I've always put on heels. So that was nothing new for me, but you know, it's just, you know, that was just my personality. So, um, that was kind of something I wasn't prepared for for in a sense I wasn't mentally prepared to start interviewing that day but I think I held my own there um also so the next day you're not going to just jump straight into interviews you know you do like a tour and all those things so I said all that to say don't be like you're going to have time to kind of calm down by by the time you actually get to the interviews your you know your spirit everything's going to be calm and you just answer the, the questions don't be afraid to say you know what I don't let me get back to you on that question or even like take a pause, have a bottle of water. You know, if they ask you a question, it's kind of like, Ooh, I don't know this. Pick up your bottle of water. It's going to give you about five seconds to get yourself together, you know? And by then you probably able to form formulate something in your head to answer them. Um, So that my toughest question was they asked for three strengths and three weaknesses. I only had one prepared at that time because that was the in-person interview and that was the first interview I had. So after that, I wrote out a list of things. Um, So that helped me. So just just take every interview. If you're blessed to have multiple interviews, um, just try to get better at each one. So I was kind of, uh, you know, one of one of my top schools. That was my very first interview. And I was like, man, I kind of wanted some practice interviews. But I think think it was all good. Just keep learning as you go. Um, You know, if you make a mistake, just say, you know what, do you mind if I, you know, 
answer that question again, you know, don't be scared. Like they're, you're human, you know, everybody knows you're nervous. So just take your time and, and you'll be fine. They just want to see who you are. Like Dr. Goodman said. I was just going to add one thing. It varies by the types of interview. Cause I know you asked that question. So you'll go on some calls uh, where it's like you're moving to different rooms. They'll move you. So you're with, I had one where I was with residents, then two attendings, residents, and then two attendings and residents, and then the director. And then you'll have some where it's, this was one of the most challenging ones. It was two attendings, two attendings, two attendings, director, you know? So it just varies. Or, and I had one where I had a panel where it was like 15 people talking to me all one room and I'm the center of attention. So just prepare for all types and be yourself and be confident. Smile a lot. Your nonverbal gestures, smile. Oh, and one thing I would add to that with those panel interviews, that's the most nerve wracking thing ever. Just focus in on the person who asked you the question. Don't look at whoever else is in the room. So those those were probably the scariest ones for me. But I just focused in on the pre, uh, the professor or attending that asked the question and it helped me in those situations. And then I'm also something that you guys were saying, like something big is having a community. So like with me, with Dr. Oliver, with Dr. Goodman, just coming together, like during the whole interview process and even prior to when preparing our application and everything um, to apply to these programs. So it's good to definitely have some good people in your corner. And these two, they are definitely awesome, like awesome colleagues, awesome friends, and they are amazing mentors. So please feel free to reach out to them too, because I know they have a lot of good advice. And um, speaking of advice, is there any tips um, that you would give to someone who is entering into the cycle now um, to one day be in your shoes as pediatric dentist? Yes, I would say be confident in your capabilities. We tend to downplay ourselves um, especially like overthink or you just, you want to be your best. You're like, oh, I need to apply to so many schools or what if they don't like me? Be confident in your capabilities. I believe in God. He brings you to certain things and it will be right when it needs to be right. Also interview them. These programs, you want to make sure it's a good fit for you. You know, um, get your questions together about what's important to you for real um, and understand that. I also would say, if you don't really want to move somewhere, don't apply there because you're afraid of things that may work. You know, you don't want to live in, I don't think there's a program in North Dakota and no shade to North Dakota, but if you don't want, like I knew I didn't want to, I'll be frank, Chicago has a great program, but I knew a lot for my family and the weather, I didn't want to live in Chicago, so I didn't apply there. So uh, be strategic and stay prayerful and stay hopeful and believe in yourself. And just to emphasize what Dr. Gibbons said, just be confident and, and know your worth and go into those interviews. And there were there were several schools, I think, that we all applied to. And we're just like, absolutely not. You know, y'all don't deserve me. It wasn't that, you you know, vice versa. So um, just going in there and being confident in who you are. Um, I think all of us um, didn't have just a straight track into dental school. So we all had those reservations about you know, us and ourselves. And um, we all applied to several schools because of that. However, it turned out, you know, that we were the hot commodity. So um, I think we all got a lesson there. Just, um, you know, we could have said, you know what, that's like, I did apply to some places. I was like, 
not that I don't want to live there. I could live there. Basically, I was like, oh, I could live there. It wouldn't be like my number one. But um, if I knew what I knew, if I knew what I learned after, you know, getting all my interviews and things like that, there were places I was like, well, I could have, you know, left them off the list or something like that. But it just came from not being confident in who I was as a um, student because it was pretty difficult for me to get into school. Like I had, it was, I had some obstacles getting into school and I believe we all did. We all kind of translated that same. We kind of went back into the whole like uh, student doctor network every night, you know, just toxic. Don't student doctor network, stay away um, if you can, or limit it to one, one login a day. That's all you can do. Cause I'm not going to tell you not to, because I'd be lying if I said I did myself. So um, that's really important. I would, I would, that's kind of the big thing because Student Doctor Network, oh my gosh, it's helpful, but it's hurtful at the same time. We used know? to check that every hour on the hour, it felt like. <laughs> yes. Information only. Student Doctor Network is information only. That's all I'm asking. And as, <laughs> as needed basis. <laughs> as needed. So then um, thank you guys again so much uh, for being on the show. Um, so Dr. Oliver, Dr. Goodman, um, any closing remarks from you guys or any contact information that you'd like to share with our audience? Nothing other than just thanking you for having us. Thank you so much, Dr. Jackson. It was really great. You know, anything for you. You're amazing. Um, Y'all can follow me on Instagram. Very simple. At Dominique Oliver. That's me. (laughs) Yes. um, Thank you for having us. Um, It's a pleasure to be here always. And Dr. Oliver and I, Dr. Jackson, we're all helpful. So you can reach out to us. Um, you can email me at drandreagoodman at gmail.com. And that's Dr. Dr. Period, Andrea, A-U-N-D-R-E-A, Goodman, G-O-O-D-M-A-N at gmail.com. And I wish y'all the best. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. All right. So um, that is all that we have for today. Thank you so much for sitting with us at the table. And remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. Bye, guys.